Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Um, I just wanted to um, share a little bit. It's been on my heart. Um, you know, re- resistance is going to come to the body of Christ, and resistance is going to come to you. And, um, you know, resistance has a way of shaping us, and we need resistance. Diamonds are diamonds because of resistance, you know, and um, we have to take some solace. I guess I was speaking with Alex this morning before the service, knowing that the enemy will leave you alone if, you have, if you're not doing anything of any worth. But when you come under attack, you know that you're making progress. You're making headway. Even in your personal life, when you think that everything is going well, um, and you, it's not so much going well for yourself, but as soon as you start to affect the souls of other people and you start to turn their lives around, the enemy gets very interested in what you're doing. And he will do all that he can. And he will, he will come from, he's like the, he's an expert at, at the, the strategy of the fifth column coming from within. And so you have to be very careful of that. And so I was thinking of Paul. Paul's, he's writing this letter in 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth. Now, um, the church in Corinth were, Paul really wanted them to be a model church. He wanted, he knew that there were changes happening there, um, but they were quite immoral and still quite paganistic. And so he writes to them and he's trying to address all of these things um, so that he can bring them to a place where after he's invested all of this time into them, that they would be a model church. And the most important thing he says, he says to me, he says, you must keep your integrity because now that, you, now that you are beginning to know the ways of Christ, eyes are going to be on you. People are going to be looking at you. And he was, I believe he was really concerned that the church upheld standards of integrity. And that's, that is so important because the eyes of the world look at you as a Christian they look at the church and they look to find fault. They look for whatever they can, whatever reason it can be to discredit the word of God and so that they do not have to be accountable to the word of God. <laughs> and accountability is a great blessing that so many people run away from it. And so Paul is um, in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 16, he's signing off his letter to the church in Corinth, and he's um, encouraging them concerning providing for the saints or the, the people in the church and the visitors that come through the church. Now, I'm, I'm thankful we are a part of a church that blesses our visitors, our guests, and we, now that all of this is behind us, we, are, we, 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 we want more guests to come through. Because people like Timothy and, and uh, people that came through the church at Corinth, they were gap fillers. The church didn't have it all together. Sometimes we don't have it all together. We have lack in some areas. We have weaknesses. And God sends people to us to fill the gaps. 
and to, to build us up as a church. So that's why those doors will always be open and, and welcome people that are, that are sent of the Lord to fill the gaps, okay? And so, and he's, he's telling the church at Corinth, I want you to set aside something at the beginning of every week so that you can provide for the people that are laboring in your midst. There was a, the household of Stephanus and other people there that were really doing the work of the ministry there and who devoted themselves to the people in the church. And he's saying, put something aside. He's already teaching them the principles of steward, good stewardship. And the title of this message is, I am God's steward. And it's, we're part two from last week, I am God's steward. So Paul is already starting to speak to them about stewardship. And he's giving them stewardship advice. And he's saying, value other people. Value other people. Above, above all else, value the souls of other people. Put things aside, put whatever, put resources, put finance, put whatever you, you have got aside, put a portion of that aside so that when I come, I'll be looked after because Paul was going to come back through Corinth. And so, you know, even though there was things that Paul was addressing um, in the church at Corinth, um, even though he was addressing things in the church in, in Corinth and there was better things ahead, he felt the, the necessity to leave them with, I, I, the Bible doesn't like say it's a warning or a caution, but I want to read it to you and it's in 1 Corinthians 16 verse, from verse 13. It says, be on guard and stand firm in the faith and be courageous and be strong and do everything with love. So Paul's, Paul is so aware that even though the church is getting there, he's got to remind them of their Christian conduct and their character. And that's what we see there in 1 Corinthians 16. And I thought it would be good to share this because, you know, when, when attacks come to you, when attacks come to the church, we need to look, break this down a bit and see what it means for us, all right? Be on guard, stay awake, don't fall asleep. Be alert to what's going on around you. Stand firm, keep your allegiance to, to God. Keep, stay, stay committed and persevere to stay in his ways because it's so easy to fall away from his ways persevere and be courageous, be brave. We're, Scot we're Scottish. We should have a good grip on that already. <laughs> we should have a good grip on that. But the Bible says, and um, um, this, is, this, is, this applies to us in general, men and women, but it says, quit yourself like a man. Be mature, be brave, be courageous, be responsible, because when I send opportunities your way, I want you to be able to take them in faith, having faith in me that I've sent you this opportunity, take it boldly. And Paul, Paul is, the message that runs underneath this is don't abdicate your responsibility. Don't be cowardly. Stand there, stand firm, face up to what's coming. And people will thank you for it. There will be, you know, there's a real spirit of thankfulness 
And I believe it's something that's in the culture of our church is having a heart of gratitude. But one day, one day people, and you might not know it, but people will thank you. It might not be in your earshot, but one day, I'm so thankful for what, for what Mary has done. You know, and it doesn't matter how many years ago it was, people will eventually, we should always give thanks for our roots. And I think that's something we must never forget is to, even though sometimes we may not be where our roots were, we always give thanks for our roots. Amen. Be strong. Kratos, be strong. Be empowered to prevail in God's strength. Amen. We are, you are all empowered, and you can go on, even when it feels like, do you know what? I can't take one more step. I'm not getting up this morning. I'm staying in bed. I just can't face it. I've got to go back into that classroom today. I've got to go back to that canteen today. I've got to go back to that place of work today. Be strong, not in your own might, but in God's might. And finally, be in love. And this is the thing that will overcome all the resistance because the resistance comes to break down our relationships with one another. The attacks come to break down relationships. And it says there, be in love, agape love, divine love, ecclesiastical love. The ecclesia doesn't work without the ecclesiastical divine love. Agape is actually an ecclesiastical word. It actually, it actually has more meaning to Christians than to non-believers because it's a divine love. So agape love is something that is the God kind of love that people who don't know Jesus Christ will never experience it unless they're in Christ or they're loved by someone who's in Christ. And that's where, you, that's where we come in. Amen. And so between fellow Christians, I want, to, I want to say this morning, the most important thing, the, if you don't get anything else from this message, leave here knowing that the most important thing that you've heard today is that you must love your fellow brother and sister. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so Paul just says a few verses earlier, a great door for effective work has opened to me, but there's many who oppose me. Do you know this, this church, or the church, is on the verge of greater doors of opportunity. And Paul says, a great door has been opened to me, but there's resistance. People are coming from left, right, and center. They're against me, man. They're, they're, they're definitely, I know who's for me, and I know who's against me, and I know who's against me. But he says a great door, God, who opens the door? God opens the door, it's divine. He says, I'm opening a great door of ministry for you here and I'm giving you divine access to it. And I've stood at those great doors before scratching my head. I, should I, do, 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 am I suppo- uh, and then the, 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 the enemy comes and brings confusion and says, are you sure you're supposed to walk through that one? There's one just down there, looks a wee bit better. There might be, you know, what's that old TV program that's what's behind the, oh, you know what? Oh, well, do you want want to take the $50,000 or do you want this door? And then they open it and it's like a a sticker, rock. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh no, uh, not again. And God's like, well, I had this door here for you. It was a divine door of opportunity. And the other thing is, when you go through the door that God's opened for you, you're effective in your work. You go, you know that it's going to bear fruit, providing you stay in his ways. You know, there's results from it. And it, it literally means that there's, when you go through the door, the great door of opportunity, you go through with a divine energy. So sometimes, sometimes even though naturally we resist going through a door into an opportunity because we feel weak, You'll know it's the door because you'll be divinely energized. You'll know, you'll feel, you'll feel yourself getting stirred up and you'll feel like a passion coming. And it's like, I feel a passion. I know that, I know that this, that you're leading me here. Amen. And so despite all of that, Paul says to the Corinthians, I'm, I'm, I'm here to do a good work, but many, many people oppose me. And do you know what? They're getting more numerous and they're getting more terrible. So we've got to be prepared for the more numerous and the more terrible. Amen. And when, when with the word there to, to Paul, when he says they oppose me, I want to tell, give you some example of what that, what that opposition was like. It was things that were fully, fully against him, unreconcilable. They would never, ever be anything other than to the, to the opposite of what he stood for. Unreconcilable. Everything that we stand for, they will stand for the opposite. That is what that means. When, they, when that kind of opposition comes, the only way is to stay in God's way. Stay planted. Amen. And so I want to encourage you this morning, keep listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You will encounter new doors of opportunity. If you feel that you're stuck in a rut just now, I'm fond of what my dad says, but it's probably not his saying. Yeah, a coffin is just um, a rut with the ends kicked out. You know, it's just a, a grave with the ends kicked out. You know, a, sorry, a rut is just a, a grave with no ends. It's like being buried in something that you can't get out of. And so um, as long as we keep watching, stand firm, be strong, be brave, be courageous, stay in love, you will be able to overcome the forces that come against you. Amen. And you'll be able to walk into new um, opportunities and be effective. Amen. So um, last week, we, we were going to look at three areas of effective stewardship. And so um, do you have your notebooks with you? <laughs> Do you have your Bibles with you? I remember the days where it was the biggest Bible you could get. When I was when I was in youth in youth group, we used to man all the Bibles were big. There were no slimline Bibles in those days, and we used to buy the sticky things that you put on the side so you knew which which book of the Bible to go to. You know, that's that's for those that. that <laughs> If you, you didn't, if you didn't stick in at Sunday school and memorize Gen, the wee song, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Num, you know the song? It's like we needed, we needed the crib sheets, you know? And even then, do you try and find Amos or something like that? It's like, it's only two pages. I can never find that, you know? So um, 
So if you've got your Bibles, Bibles are handy when you come to church. <laughs> so we're looking at three areas of, of stewardship. Now, Jesus, if we want to look, how do we steward well? We look to Jesus and we emulate him. All right. We emulate Jesus because Jesus was the perfect steward. He was the perfect steward. He, he wanted to do his father's will. And we, so, you know, we can look at some New Testament examples here. Um, remember our parable series that we did recently? There was the parable of the wicked um, vine dressers in Matthew 21. And it was about the landowner. So the landowner represents God. He plants a vineyard, puts a hedge around it. I mean, he puts a wine press in, he builds a tower. The landowner did all this. You know, you know God's just not sitting there doing nothing in our lives. He's, he, the doors, when the doors of opportunity open, there's other things there that he's, by design, made available to us. And he leases it to these vine dressers. Now, you could say that represented his people, Israel, but it represents the people who decide, you know what, I'm going to be a steward of this. All right, I'm going to be a manager. I'm going to take this on underneath the owner. And so the vineyard itself is God's kingdom. The church is involved in that, the kingdom. Amen. And so the, these parables, the other one is in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents too. God's saying, here's, here's, I'm giving you this opportunity. So now take the opportunity and let's see what you can do with this. Let's see if you can bear fruit from this. Amen. And um, every one of us, whether we like it or not, is a steward. So there's no getting out of that. It's like, no, Pastor David's the steward. No, we're all stewards. Every one of us, from the front to the back, the back to the front, from the east to the west, north to the south, we're all, we're all stewards. Amen. And um, we've all received gifts and talents and abilities. There's no one in this place that has not received that. Every one of you, you may not have discovered it yet, but you have received gifts. And it's not like the gift that, you know, like if... You know, if I give Alison a gift, like there's a gift, Alison can do whatever she likes with that gift. But, and I'm going to be like, you know, I just wanted to bless you. Once it leaves my hands, it's yours. But when God gives you something, he entrusts you with it. You become a trustee of what he has given you. And when that, that is a completely different thing because when he gives you something, you, we've got to use it according to his will not according to our will. And Jesus was amazing like that. Jesus could have taken advantage of who Jesus was, but he never did. He remained humble, yet strong, you know, compassionate. When he got angry, he got righteously angry. He was just so perfect. He could have used, he could have abused, ever, he was the son of God. He could have abused that as a man on it, but he didn't. He didn't. He did his father's will. So how do we learn to be good stewards? Three things here. First of all, we're, we manage. We have to manage what God's given us. Jesus knew from when he was a child he'd been given a mission, the mission of redemption. It's like, okay, 
I know this is my mission. And I'm going to manage this. I'm going to steward this opportunity. And even from when he was a boy, when he got lost, where did his mom, where did his parents find him? In God's house. So he gets lost. He's already managing his mission. He's already being a steward. He's already with the scholars in the temple and he's engaging with, with them. And in Luke 2, 49, it says, when they saw him, his parents, this is, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. He says, why, why are you looking for me? Did, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? This is a boy, this is the boy Jesus. I'm, I've, I've got to be about my father's business. Who, I mean, there's very few young people now that are business-minded at, you know, you know, whatever, a, a young age. You know, it's very, it's extraordinary. He's already, he is already kingdom-minded at that age. And they didn't understand what he meant. And so he goes on with his parents and, you know, he, the Bible says he obeys them. He, he's obedient. But I think Jesus is just always thinking of his future, the mission. The NIV is great because it ties in with our hearts for the house. Why are you searching for me? He asked his parents. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Jesus knew he had to be in and around his father's house. And I know that there's many ways that we serve the Lord and we do what we do. And some of it will be in here, out there, remotely, online, by whatever. But when Jesus says, I must be in my Father's house, it tells me it's a, this place is important. Yeah. Our church is important. You know, I, and I really appreciate that so much has shifted in culturally in society because of what we've been through but when people need a warm place to come and be in, they can't access that over Wi-Fi. If you need a warm place to be in, you have to come to a warm place. You can't get that over the internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I have to be in my father's house. Mary and Joseph had stewardship of Jesus too. Kind of brings their stewardship into question a wee bit. You lost Jesus? <laughs> You lost Jesus? Man, there's going to be trouble for this. But he sent, he said, God sends Jesus to attend to his affairs and his interests on the earth. And here's Jesus. He's totally dedicated to his father's affairs. Amen? And so should we be. So he was a good manager. He managed. And he, he, was, he looked after the welfare of those that were with him. Amen. He did, he, did, he did entrust the treasury to one, though. We know who he was. But, he was, but that was, it was meant to be so. But he was a good manager. He was also a good servant. Amen. You know, you, no one here could argue that if anyone was entitled to be waited upon or served, it would be Jesus, yeah? If any, I mean, if anyone was entitled to that, it would be Jesus, but in Mark 10, 45, it says, he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Yeah. Amen. So the role of a steward, as our stewardship role, is serving. 
And we're in a great church for that. It's one, this is a great church for, for, for servants. We, you know, church would, not, church would still happen, but church would not happen the way it does without all of our ushers, media team, hostesses, hospitality, John and, and the car, car park and everyone in the, who does, everyone, it just everyone makes it come together. Amen. So he had the nature of a true servant. Amen. And here it is in Luke twenty-two forty-two. Father God, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering from me, but I want your will to be done, not mine. So totally, always, your will, not mine. And then he was God's workman. So these three things, manager, servant, and a worker. A steward is, stewards are workers, grafters. Yeah. Amen. Jesus worked, you know, you'll see this in the parables. Whenever, whenever, whenever trouble comes, it was like the, it was like the cattle on the thousand hills. You can be driving on the roads and, you know, a cow walks out into the road and, oh, you hit the cow. You look for the, herds, the herdsmen, they're all gone. <laughs> you know, they've run off into the sunset. There's dust, dust clouds, you know, because the, the, the wildlife all roams free in Africa. It just walks across the road whenever, whenever they feel like it. And so, but, you know, the workers don't run away from the work. They don't, sh they don't shirk their responsibility. And Jesus worked for his father, not for himself. And this is a great scripture. It says here in John 17, um, let me see, we'll go from Verse, in verse four, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So the father had obviously given him work to do and he was all about finishing the work. And that's why, that's why I believe that longevity and endurance and perseverance is important because we want to finish what God started we want to finish it. We want to, we want to finish our own faith walk well. But we want to finish. And we need to pass the baton as well. So, you know, and, um, and make sure that the baton is passed well. And so, you know, that, that's, churches need to, we need to be aware of that. We need to pass the baton on and raise other people up in the faith. Amen. And that comes with all sorts of its own challenges. But God will send and provide for what is necessary. Amen. Amen. He finished the work. Amen. So we've got all these, these three things. Being a manager, a steward, uh, sorry, a manager, a workman, and a servant. Amen. And these are the characteristics of a, of a good steward. Amen. There's other things. We're going to end kind of stewardship here. Stewardship's great for us to talk about in our small groups and when we're together, how we're, how we're working together. Um, but for now, we're going to kind of end it there. There's other things we've got to have, when I was speaking, just going back to the beginning, having good character, having integrity. The eyes of the world are upon us. They're upon you. And we've got to have integrity Amen. We've got to be faithful. Um, we've got to um, 
you know, if you read through some of Paul's letters, Timothy, you know, there's, they set out there the qualifications to be an elder or an overseer. Or, you know, if you go to the word, if you're like, what is my role and what are my responsibilities? The word actually tells you what they are. You know, we, we don't just have to make them up ourselves, although that's convenient sometimes. I'm just going to make up my own ministry today. And, 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 you know, it's like, and this is what I'm going to do. And it's like, no, well, you know, there's specific roles and boundaries and things for people that do these things. And it's important because people, you know, you know what people are like, they form opinions very easily. And sometimes we have to remember that we represent our Father God. And it's like, it's like going into the shop or whatever and there's a manager there and the manager treats you awfully and he's really grumpy and crabbit and he tries to diddle you and he gives you bad service and you think, I'm never going to go to that shop again because if that's what the manager's like, imagine what the owner must be like. And this is, this is the problem you know, so many people form opinions about the owner by looking at the manager. You understand what I'm saying? And so the owner could be kind-hearted, loving, and generous, a philanthropist, but he could just have a bad manager or a few. <laughs> you know, what would, what would have happened to Ruth if the... Um, if the overseer in Boaz's fields had said, no, no, hang on, you're not coming to glean here today, off you go. What would have happened to that relationship? So it's a, we're, we have the position of being stewards and overseers, and it's really, really important to know that we have to quit ourselves properly. You know, if all of the parents bringing their children to Jesus if the disciples really had dug their heels in, what, what, get these weans, get, get them, this is Jesus. This is only, this is for, you know, big people's playtime here. We talk about serious stuff. No, no kids allowed. Because the disciples were like, no, 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 don't bother, don't bother the master. What about, the, what would those parents have thought? See that, see those disciples? Well, don't, let's not even bother going to Jesus because if that's what they're, what he's like, we're just going to get a worse deal. And so we have to understand that integrity is important as a steward. And so, um, you know, let me finish with this scripture here. And then we're going to watch a little media clip. And it's, I believe we will get something from this. But let me, let me um, read this. Titus 1 verse 7. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless and not overbearing, not be quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent or pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good. He is, must have self-control, be upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So this is what, this is, there's the, the role and the responsibilities of an overseer. So I would count myself in there, but it, you, you oversee, don't you? 
your families, businesses, groups of people under your influence. We all, we all have to, you know, not have the attitude, well, it's only for the leaders. This, is only, this only applies to the leaders. I'm okay. It applies to all of us. Amen? Because if we do good to people and they, attribute, and they recognize that, who will get the glory? God will get the glory. The owner will get the glory. Amen? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.